0: everyone and welcome to this week's on the spot where we talk about what's happening in the freight markets today and this week and I am here with as always John Paul Hampstead director of Passport Research I'm Zach Strickland the director of freight market intelligence so uh, I think it's no news by now but we have had a hurricane uh, make landfall in the United States a major hurricane at that uh, and these are tremendous events uh, for the freight market, as, you, uh, as, as many of you well know. Uh, these can have long-lasting impacts to the spot market, to freight rates, uh, you know, as the infrastructure uh, damage becomes more apparent, insurance adjusters come in, claims get made, et cetera, and a lot of the capacity gets sucked into these areas and, you know, really creates an environment where, you know, truckers avoid, like, just kind of abandon uh, or a certain section of capacity abandons what they normally do and they go down and, and help the relief effort.
1: That's, that's right, the, um, that's, that's really what creates the outsize effects from these disaster relief projects is when trucks and trailers sort of get dedicated, you know, whether it's a temperature controlled tr- trailer that's providing you know, um, support for a certain kind of food, whether it's people making shuttle runs back and forth um, resupplying some of the caches of, of, of food and, and blankets and, you know, various kinds of supplies like that. It's about the ability of these um, disaster zones to absorb capacity for long periods of time.
0: Yeah, and, uh, you know, I, of course, in, back in the day, I actually worked uh, on, on some of these efforts with the, with the trucking company. And of course, uh, Donnie Gilbert here has spent a lot of time. David Bradford has spent a lot of time in some of these uh, disaster recovery efforts. And, and really, the, the story here is, you know, a lot of these truckers, they, they make agreements with FEMA and the government and they get paid, but they get sucked into these uh, environments for weeks at times. Uh, you know, you have to basically donate your entire, you know, almost a month of your life uh, to the relief effort because it's not like they have a bunch of docks down there. They have to go in and offload these supplies and there's no you know, real, there's not like a bunch of forklifts sitting there ready to offload pallets efficiently, et cetera. They have to store them uh, around these areas. You have things like bottled waters because they don't have running water in a lot of these places a- anymore or it's been tainted or contaminated. Uh, you have things like Pop-Tarts, surprisingly. Pop-Tarts are one of the, the big relief supplies that go down to these areas.
1: Right, um, high calories, uh, long shelf life, that kind of mm-hmm. tasty. <laughs> right, <laughs> um, but no, yeah, that, that's. I, I think that that's a an important point. When when FEMA you know is initially staging loads, they don't know, you know, where exactly the need is going to be. They don't know how severe it's going to be. They don't know how long it's going to last. And so, um, they're figuring that out as the drivers and the power units and the trailers are sitting sort of in peripheral areas, you know, waiting to be deployed. And so that it just, it takes time to sort through. Um, and that's, that's really, and, and of course, you know, the magnitude of the destruction and the number of people impacted really kind of is the multiplier effect on, on how much capacity it right. takes to deal with these problems.
0: Right. Yeah. One of the things that we look at, uh, you know, in terms of trying to figure out just how much impact that it's going to have to the freight market is the uh, basic insurance estimate. Basically, how much is this storm's damage worth on the commercial side uh, more than the, uh, you know, the governmental side? Because Michael, Hurricane Michael, as we were talking about before the show, uh, Category 5 hurricane really, you know,
1: a lot of damage to the military base. So this is the hurricane that hit Panama or Mexico Beach, Panama City Beach right. in 2018. Yes, yep. and uh, you know not as not that
0: much damage outside of the military base, uh, but it was about a 10 to 15 billion dollar uh, estimated damage or cost. So not a lot of impact to the freight market. Uh, itself because the the relief efforts just simply weren't needed because of the low population density, not a lot of infrastructure, you know, Mexico Beach was almost eradicated. But again, there wasn't a lot there. Uh, Storms in the past, uh, such as Irma and uh, Harvey, Harvey, of course, not necessarily a major hurricane uh, when it made landfall, but it did end up just kind of sitting over the top of Houston, a lot of water damage. And this storm, you know, to try to make a connection, this storm probably isn't gonna look anything like, an, like a Harvey. The, the threat of this storm is largely from the fact that it's going to maintain strength over a long stretch of land that isn't necessarily accustomed to seeing the winds. And of course there's gonna be some flooding uh, damage as well. And again, flooding is really the main cause of most of the infrastructure damage.
1: Yeah, no, th- that makes sense. When you think about um, Katrina, when you think about Irma, it certainly has to do with a vast amount of rainwater slash storm surge over a, the largely asphalt area, right, and then the, the municipal infrastructure's right. ability to deal with that water or not, and, and how, it, how it deals with that, and then what, well, then how that affects damage to buildings, people, et cetera. Um, I, I think I think you're right, though, to bring up the idea that you can look at the insurance um, estimates as an immediate kind of gauge as to how much capacity is going to be involved in rebuilding, right? Because because right. when you think about if the insurance company is saying we're funding you know twenty billion dollars, hundred billion dollars worth of claims, that money is getting put to work rebuilding, and so that immediately starts starts sucking in resources, you know, commodities capacity. Well, a lot
0: of that money goes to purchase capacity. Uh, So, I mean, you can take a certain percentage of it and we haven't done a study. That might be a good study for the passport research team uh, to do at some point is to figure out what the relationship is between the insurance estimates and potential capacity needed. uh, Because that's a, a lot of the reason that, you know, a lot of these drivers will go down there and set up
1: shop for months because it And they get paid like per diem, like rates and things like that. Um, And and they're, you know, they're they're contributing. um, Obviously, they're helping people in need. We saw how um, the transportation logistics industry showed up during some of the uh, COVID uh, food hoarding stuff in in March, and how they continue to operate in a really, you know, sometimes dangerous um, situation. So, I think I think most. Most truckers want to help and, and want, want to contribute where they're needed. So, um, yeah, I mean, people will be interested in how they can contribute. We're, there's going to be a broadcast. Um, yeah, we're going to continue to talk about what it takes to execute that kind of freight.
0: Yeah, and I think it'll be interesting this year, too, because we're having a major hurricane landfall amidst a market that's already extremely tight. Yeah. We're already kind of in this ongoing natural disaster that's covid uh, 19 pandemic and it's created an environment where we're seeing volume growth you know 20 30 uh, percent year over year in some instances and spot rates of course extremely elevated we haven't seen these type of rates since 2018 and it's going to be interesting again we're not it'll it'll take a while before we actually know the full damage estimate uh, again it's not like everybody rushes in right away all the all at once. There right. has to be just adjusters that come in, survey the area. And then you, it may be months before we really see the full on impact of some of this. Um, but again, I think normally you see uh, a week to two weeks later, you start to see a lot of people. Uh, right. and, and
1: the area. way that I mean, and, and there are other like infrastructure projects that could take a long time to repair. I mean, the way that the storm surge, uh, you know, for example, could affect like locks on the Mississippi River and all the various sort of lake and canal systems in East Texas and in right. and, 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 and Western Louisiana. That that could take a long time to kind of assess and and, and repair as well. Um, so there's, it's, it's kind of a it's a complex issue. What are we seeing kind of in the market right now? I mean, I noticed some depressed volumes out of markets like New Orleans and Houston. Um, Is there any indication that carriers are more or less willing to go in and out of um, markets close to um, to landfall? So two things. Uh, We're seeing volumes start to drop
0: a little bit, as well as tender rejection rates start to come down in a lot of these markets. We saw that happen in Houston, uh, Memphis. Um, some of the surrounding markets around that those areas uh you know again a lot of these shippers are probably getting ready (laughs) for not having to ship freight and maybe taking some time off there especially around houston as the port's been shut down for a couple of days um down there but tender rejection rates falling uh in new orleans uh i believe shreveport uh memphis little rock all of those areas, seeing uh, lower people tender. People wanting to get out as people basically, and again, this is a market where we've seen tender rejection rates consistently on the rise, just about everywhere in the country at this point. Uh, so I, I think carriers are getting out of the way, and it'll be really the tell is what happens after the right. storm passes. The uh, we've seen this before in a lot of our data models where we see, uh, you know, with Florence, we actually were able to model out. Carrier behavior, uh, you know, as they were exuding. and that
1: was that was the um, the storm that did so much damage to the agriculture and the livestock industry of North Carolina. Exactly, uh, hit Wilmington right pretty hard. Yeah, and that was a $60
0: to $80 billion uh, event. Uh, didn't have a huge long-standing disruption to the freight market. Again, the freight market wasn't necessarily uh, overheated at that point in time. We weren't seeing as much activity. It was kind of, we were starting to things, see things kind of come down. So I think that absorbed
1: a lot of the impact of that infrastructure. And Wilmington's not a hub of transportation the way that, for example, Houston is, which is the, right, you yeah. know the third largest um, container uh, terminal on the East Coast. Obviously, a center of oil and gas oil and infrastructure, gas. the chemicals and plastics industry, um, you know, the fourth largest city in America. Right. Um, so it's, you know, the, the, it, it really matters, like, how many people get affected for how long and w- what the kind of damage is, right? Yeah, and I, I think, too, there's, you know,
0: silver lining to these national disasters is the fact that there is a little bit of an economic boost. Uh, as the infrastructure has to get rebuilt, and uh, you know, again, you have federal money flowing into an area, and Louisiana is not necessarily an economic boon uh, by any means, uh, but you know, it wasn't creating that much economic activity beforehand, but now you have this additional influx of, influx yeah. of economic activity, uh, you know, in an area that's largely not populated. So there is a little bit of a positive
1: in some of these natural disasters. Obviously, you don't want them ever and to happen. You want but, people to get out of the way, you want power to be restored, yeah. people, you know, that kind of thing. Um, okay, What? so wh- over the next week or so, how will we know if um, this storm has had a, a significant or even just an incremental impact on national freight markets? I mean, obviously,
0: uh, the big tell will be spot rates, uh, tender rejections, and sonar. Uh, for sonar subscribers, they'll be able to see that uh, relatively quickly. And I think the important thing is knowing where that starts to happen first because capacity is already tight. And and my my thought here is that rates are already elevated. How much... Is the government going? How much more enticing is the government money going to be in a market that's already producing three dollar a mile rates, yeah. uh, in an, in areas that we're used to seeing dollar seventy,
1: just right. this time last year? That's a good point. And, and over the past two years or so, I've I've heard from logistics operators that work with FEMA that the agency has become a lot more intelligent about the way it prices. It does send It's, it's not just. Doing like cost-plus contracts, but it's actually sending out very targeted uh, RFPs for projects to multiple carriers and, and brokers, and right. trying to figure out not only who can service it, but you know at a price that is somewhat grounded in reality, right? And so, right. to the extent that you know, in, a, in different markets, you know, we see these pockets of tightness pop up where trucks are essentially able to name their price. Yeah, uh, I, th- I think it's interesting to see what FEMA will have to resort to to get the capacity it needs if, in fact, there is a large need. Yeah, I, we, I don't think we've ever
0: really had, I mean, outside of 2005, 2006, when Katrina and we had this slew of hurricanes hitting uh, the United States, we really haven't seen this type of environment where you have a tight uh, market and natural disasters at the same time uh some of those some of those environments back in 2005 2006 that's when i was uh you know working some of that freight uh you just it it was insane it was absolutely insane and it can you know that compounding effect can really last and linger into
1: the next year as well speaking of compounding effects um there's the tropical wave that Mm -hmm. just entered the atlantic ocean from western africa that obviously everyone should keep their eyes on as we approach peak hurricane season yeah, I mean we're September
0: twelfth, fifteenth ish is generally the peak of uh, the tropical season for the Atlantic, and of course, it's 2020, so <laughs> you know we're, we're kind of so getting accustomed to this bat- disaster life, the battle like year. Yeah, right on. Well, that'll about do it for this week's on the spot, uh, JP. Thank you as always for joining us, and of course, thank you for watching and stay tuned, of course, for our continued coverage of uh, Hurricane Laura and and the freight market as it unfolds. Have a great week.